Welcome to the Pandemic Pedagogy Podcast. This week, we have the pleasure of speaking with Rachel Cullen Whitman, an adjunct professor here in Pittsburgh. The crux of our conversation is based upon the premise that, although not spoken about nor taught, one of our roles as educators is to make learning possible by helping the students feel safe. In this episode, you will find out how Rachel, or Dr. Rach, as she likes to be called, incorporates activities such as attendance animals in order to foster that sense of safety and community. Stay tuned. So my name is Rachel Callum Whitman and I teach at Duquesne University. Um, I, let me think my link to teaching, that is an excellent question. So I did my master's work and my doc work at Duquesne and I started teaching when I was at the tail end of writing my dissertation. Um, and the reason I started teaching the, to be honest, they needed someone to teach a uh, psychology course on the social and cultural um, aspects of marginalized communities. Um, and so I stepped up to do that and it was like my dissertation coming to life. Yeah. And that was a really beautiful experience, especially at a time when oh, my dissertation was not the most fun thing to work on at that point. But to just see it come alive and having conversations with students, it really made me click and think, you know what? Teaching is really what I would like to do. Wow. And um, I, you should mention too that you have an EDD. And so yes, can you explain a little bit about that for people who might not know? Yeah, of course. So I have an EDD and the best way that I describe it is, so a doctor is an MD because they practice medicine. And an EDD is um, a practitioner degree. So I practice education. So my degree was not research heavy, which is one of the reasons I chose it. I, I'm not super into doing studies and, you know, kind of um, building that kind of relationship with content. I'm more about like practicing education. Um, so part of my doc program was this application of being able to not just have the content, but teach it. Yeah. in a way that's engaging. And so I think that did a really good job preparing me to be in the classroom as an educator and not just maybe somebody who has the knowledge, but someone who's good at like giving away the knowledge, like mm -hmm. working on it. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of my experience. And with my EDD, which was terrific, is that I was able to kind of curate my own um, interests into my studies. So I did a big focus on disability studies. And I had a mentor um, and sources of support. I had, you know, mentors in at my university and outside of it who helped me kind of shape my own curriculum. Um, but I really liked being a free range doctoral student when it came to this stuff. It was so rewarding. Yeah. Um, and it really helped me figure out my passion, like where my calling lied. And it's fascinating the way that you put that into words, you know, focusing on not necessarily the content, but how the content is organized and shared with students yeah. and how that, how that content is, I guess, curated in a way that is yeah. more accessible and more approachable and yes. Yeah. More, maybe more practical application. So 
I, I love the way that you describe and that your studies. And I also feel like, um, I would love to do an, uh, an ED as well. An ADD yeah. I, I recommend if, if you want to be, you know what, I guess I shouldn't say that I haven't done the PhD route, so I don't know much about that, but I do like the EDD because of the practitioner component. And I like what you were saying too, this idea of like, which I totally agree with the making it the material easier to consume mm-hmm. and more engaging. And I, and of course, if you have a PhD, you can do that as well. But I think I was very well prepared again, to take my knowledge and learn how to build a learning community in action. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, now more than ever, not that it was not important before, but now it is extremely important um, because our students, I think, are craving this sense of community. Um, Right. You know, and I also, maybe this will come up later, but I I just was thinking about this idea of um, rigor. You know, I think sometimes people assume that because you've gone down the path of a research graduate degree that you have more to offer. And I think that's a, a completely erroneous. You know, I don't think yeah. that, that there is necessarily more to offer, um, because you've done in-depth research, unless you're teaching a research seminar specifically right. on what you, you, you analyze. Yeah. Um, but you know, the irony is I feel like so many of us in higher ed, were never really taught how to teach, right? We weren't, yeah. we weren't taught about the principles of engagement and, you know, emotional intellect, emotional intelligence and, uh, you know, how to, how to, like you said, create a learning community. So yeah, I admire your, um, the perspective that you're bringing very much oh. this conversation. And so, um, going into that, how have these past few months affected your ways of teaching? Um, so the ways that it's impacted my ways of teaching, um, so I try to have a, I, I touch on some serious topics, but I try to be, I have a um, very, (laughs) very aggressive sense of humor, Um, not always appreciated, but my students know that I'm kind of a goof at times, which makes it more relatable. And I've always been that way. That's always kind of been my way of um, working with students is kind of leaning into that, you know, my sense of humor, whether it's good or bad, depending on, you know, uh, what people, the eye of the beholder, um, (laughs) if you will. but I think now one of the things that has been changing and um, can I like borrow some of the language you used in the questions? Because Absolutely. one of the questions was like how you teach uh-huh. as opposed to what you teach. Uh-huh. And I think that's been a big shift for me. I'm still teaching. My content changes every year. So there's constantly evolution there. Mm-hmm. But I am focused really on the how and how to make my students feel safe yeah. is a big one because you can't learn if you don't feel safe. Like mm-hmm. you can't do a lot of things if you don't feel safe. That's this very basic need. Um, so a huge part, and I teach online, so it's harder to build relationships with my students. Uh, but one of the things that I've done is I've definitely encouraged us to do one-on-one meetings. Mm-hmm. Um and I apologize for having my stuffed up sniffles. Um, it's okay. But yeah. And so whenever the, originally the one-on-ones were, I was like, let's just check in about the class. 
um, and how you're doing and if you have questions about assignments. But every single check-in I've done, and I've done it probably not with everyone, but I would say the majority of my class, I would say both my classes, 75% of, of the students have met with me. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And we never talk about the class <laughs> at all. We don't talk about it. Like they might start out being like, oh, I thought this assignment was interesting or why did I get this grade? And then we spend the next, and I always say that, okay, it's a five minute check-in. I've never done one that was just five minutes um, at all. Um, wow. And we talk about life. They're, they're stressed out. I did really good conversation for my seniors who oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. 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 And one of the things actually that it inspired me to do, uh, because a lot of them were just like, this is uncharted territory. I'm going to graduate. How do I get a job? Where do I go? So I made this really long list of different agencies, organizations, nonprofits in Pittsburgh um, that a psychology major would probably be interested in. Um, and it wasn't that like I could say, hey, they're going to be hiring, but giving people access to see, oh, I don't just have to go to grad school. Like this is an organization that would be interesting to me. Um, so I made this huge Google document with all wow. of these different. Yeah. And I shared it with, with all of them. And that after doing that, I've gotten so much feedback from students saying, wow, you care what happens to us when we leave. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. And that to me, I'm just like, yes, I do care about you and what you do after this. But it wasn't, I liked the fact I was able to put this together because it's easy to say, oh, I care about you. But I wanted to say, like, I care about you and I'm going to be actionable. Like, I'm going to do something that hopefully will help. Right. You know, right. and so that's, that has been, I think, a huge source of, I also think it's kind of a source of safety for them because mm -hmm. they know that I am invested yeah. In more. And so once doing that, I also got an uptick in um, uh, doing these one-on-one -on -one meetings and, and chatting with people. Yeah. So that's been really valuable. I learned you a know, lot from them too. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to hear you say that, that students are surprised when we, when we do things that illustrate to them that we care. Yeah, they're, they really are. Surprised. And then it, it got me thinking the other day about, um, how I feel like the way that I've come up in educational settings is there's, there's always this assumption that there should be an adversarial relationship between professor or instructor yeah. and student and like distrust. And well, of course they're going to try to cheat. And of course they're going to turn in assignments late. And yeah, you know, I, I think that's just a really poor way of approaching a relationship yeah. at all, period, um, much less period, yeah, that, that is evaluative. And so, um, yeah. you know, when you're saying about safety, feeling secure, um, I just had a conversation with my students yesterday about, um, well, not only were, you know, we're in, in a pandemic, but it's also the week before the election. And yeah, and I had asked, I had been asked to put together some materials about how to breach the subject in the classroom. And so I asked some of my students if they'd be willing to hang out for a bit after class yeah. just to sort of talk about uh, not their politics at all, but right. what would make, what sort of things could a professor do to make the environment amenable to having this sort of a discussion? And, gotcha. you know, I think um, it's about feeling secure and safe, you know? And, yeah. and so what many of them mentioned, which I hadn't even considered, 
you know, when you're in these humongous classes uh, and you don't really have a relationship with anyone because there's no, like the breakout sessions through Zoom usually are, they, they were telling me a lot of people remain silent, don't turn their cameras on. Yeah. So there's no sense of community, which, which is the safety net. And if right. someone asks you a question about how you're doing, you know, you're, are you going to offer up that information in an environment where you don't feel very safe? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, everything that you're saying is, is resonating with me so much. And so, I mean, down to the nitty gritty, have there been changes in your pedagogy with regard to assignments or assessments? Yeah, um, actually there have, so, so one of them is, is kind of silly, but I think important. So when I would teach in person, I had attendance animals is what I called them. And so at the beginning of class, I would say, okay, everybody draw a hippo. And some, some students are good when they doodle, it, it's easier for them, for them to pay attention from like a disability justice perspective for some of them, not so much. So they can kind of cater that to their learning style. And that was how I knew they were there. They would turn in their hippos at the end of class with their name on it. Um, hippo was a favorite of mine. <laughs> and I was like, oh, how am I going to do this when, you know, I'm, I'm virtual when everything's online. So what I started to do was, um, and this was something that I think was really important. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So I used mm-hmm. to have quite a bit of reading associated with my classes and mm-hmm. I still have some reading, but one of the things that I have done in lieu of having like a lot of like, okay, you have to read X amount of pages from this book or, or vice versa is I'm engaging them through using a Google doc. And so mm-hmm. basically what I do is after every class, I will put up a Google doc and I say, watch this video, read this article, um, have a conversation with somebody and then put your name on the Google doc and write me your your reflection Mm. paragraph or two. Um, And so that way they're still being engaged in content. It's still something that they're applying, but it's not, they're just so stressed out. Yeah. And so for me being like, you know what, I think they're still going to get a lot out of this class without being text heavy Yep. and being able to say this video talked. And that's a great one. When I'd say, Hey, talk to your roommate about this. What does your roommate think? What are your, what does your mom think? Like your brother, your sister, your sibling, what do they think when you tell them about certain aspects of class? Um, and then the other thing on the Google Doc to try to also make it kind of light and funny is I'll have them vote on an animal that I will draw for them. <laughs> so I, I have started I have started drawing these animals, and then I show them during class. I plop it up right on the PowerPoint, and I'm not artistic, so some of them are god awful, <laughs> um, really bad. But my students, it's a way of connecting to, with them in a way that's not super serious. Mm-hmm. And I think when I pair that lighthearted activity with, okay, we talked about racial trauma today and PTSD. I want you to reflect on it. That's heavy stuff. Yeah. And so being able to be like, oh, let's vote. She's going to do a shark playing golf, which is the one I just did. It's terrible. Um, They voted on that one. So I did it. Uh, The other one was a badger playing tennis, but they went with the shark. Um, (laughs) 
And so they see that, they kind of laugh about it. They listen, it was a podcast I had them listen to about racial trauma and, and using MDMA as therapy and therapeutic uh-huh. intervention actually. And then they wrote their reflections. And something that's been really great about that too is I have a lot of students who've expressed to me that they don't like speaking up in class. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, like, I've always been shy to speak up. Some of them saying, you know, the, the Zoom thing is stressful, so I don't speak up on the Zoom. So this is also a great way to touch base with them mm. because even if they don't participate in the class themselves by sharing thoughts, they've already come to the class with the state of mind that I want them to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're starting the class with, I wrote this reflection to this video or to this podcast or this reading that I got and I know where they stand. And if I have questions or they have questions, that makes it easier for me to reach out in a more tailored way, mm-hmm. in a more specific way that they might want to talk about something. That's, um, that's, a, that's great. I also, you know, I think that what you're asking them to do is connect with people too, you know, yeah. by way of checking in with not about the content of what they're reading. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that this uh, is something, it's hard to evaluate the this, but when someone's able to explain something to someone else, there's a lot of value. In that, right? and yeah. Then, and then processing different perspectives on that is also super valuable. Yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing that the sort of work that takes place outside of the classroom that is so essential to our students learning yeah. and and yet I feel like we're so often asked to assess everything right and my pushback there is well how can we assess it when when it's not about us really yeah. it's about yeah. the students and so yeah you know interacting with the document that you put together for the seniors about potential places that they could look at as models for you know career advance or career paths yeah. or whatnot you know, you could, you could go into the data of how many people viewed that document. Right. Yeah. Um, but will that really tell you much about what a difference it made? You know? Yeah. And that, I think that's a huge thing. I, I try to collect student feedback. Um, one of the things I've asked a lot this semester, maybe to the point that it might annoy some of them is I'll say, Hey, if there's a teacher you have, who's doing something you like, tell me what it is because yeah. I want to engage you. And if someone's figured out a cool method, you know, or, or an activity, I want to be able to, to meet you there and do that too. I actually, no one has, has given me anything on that. Like no one's, a lot of people are just like, Oh, we really like your class. You're doing a really good job um, huh. and making it engaging. So that's nice. So I haven't yeah. gotten, I, yeah, I haven't gotten much of that, um, which to be honest, I kind of, wanted to know what other professors were up to. And I can always reach out to the psych department. But for me, it was like across disciplines. I was like wondering like different methods that people were using. Um, so that was just, I just wanted to, to put that out there as I was just, you know, having that thought of how I want to inform my teaching with um, other good examples, I guess, good practices. Yeah. yeah. Um. I've done that too. I've asked my students, you know, what's working? Like what, what, what do other people do to facilitate these difficult conversations or how, how is it, is it, you know, a question or is it a statement? Yeah. And they, you know, it's interesting. They said yesterday, well, sometimes instead of asking us a question, you just ask us to think about something. Yeah. And so it's, 
it's more open-ended. There's not a right or wrong. Even though yeah. when I formulate questions, I try for there not to be a right or wrong because most of right. you know, most of what I teach is critical thinking. Um, I just thought that was really, really interesting. Um, so what about, uh, do you think that there are some benefits to the Zoom situation? Have you noticed some students, maybe you were mentioning before, um, some of them who have perhaps, I was just thinking about students who don't participate in yeah. a live class, but might thrive in this environment or students who have anxiety being present, um, might do better behind yeah. the screen. That's, that is a good question. I think I'm going to be transparent. I think yeah. I am clouded by the fact that I don't like zoom. I love yeah. being in person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so much easier to build relationships, you know, understandably with my students and I give my students nicknames, but when I'm looking at some boxes that don't have videos, some of them turn on their videos, some of them don't, that's based completely on their level of comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really hard to interact. I think can I tell you the thing that I actually am the most surprised about with Zoom is my attendance is terrific, which I did not see that happening. I really didn't. I thought that I would not have as many of my young people, my students sign on for classes. And I, because I take attendance using the Google Doc, honestly, uh, the, I've never had such good attendance. Wow. Um, and I think I was actually talking to another professor friend of mine because I was like, why? Like, I just was like, <laughs> right now it's so stressful and like having to jump on Zoom and they all have burnout. Like, why are they all showing up? And, you know, and they might show up, but not listen as intently. Like, you know, I don't really know about that. I don't want to be too policey or anything about that. But one of my friends was like, you know what? For my students, they like the routine. Yeah. It's like comforting. Like, okay, I get up and I do X and then I have this class and it's fun. So I sign on to it. Um, so that, that to me has been the most surprising aspect of using Zoom. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like the fact that, and I mean, it's easier too in terms of they roll out of bed, right? Like they don't yeah. necessarily have to run to class. Like there is a little bit of anonymity there, which might help, um, you know, because if it's just a name on a screen, you might not know that person. Um, but even though that's the case, my students are really supportive of each other. And especially I'm going to just kind of, I teach a psych 101, which is mostly uh, first year students, freshmen. And what I saw with their Google doc was incredible. Their Google doc turned into, so I break it into different Google documents, but Theirs has turned into a conversation with each other. Oh, wow. Which I did not see <laughs> at all. Like it was the same thing. And again, this is just my freshman students. This, like I would put, read this assign, read this chapter, watch this video, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but it turned into, you know, Jacob being like, oh, hey, Teresa, I really like X too. And I thought the same way. And then oh. Teresa, yeah, it's, inc- I like, I didn't expect that at all. And it's not that every Google doc, they do that, but still it be, it's this like tool for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel, yeah, I, oh. I, and I feel kind of, I mean, not kind of, I feel honored that like they're doing it in a space where they know that I read it. Like they know that I, it's, you know, the purpose of it, but they still, they do that. 
And it, and I did ex- I did I, that blew my mind. I did not expect that they would be building relationships on a Google Doc at all. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that I mean, was really interesting. I think that says a few things. I think it says how amazing you have set up this environment so that they feel comfortable doing that. And um, I also think it says that they're craving connection. Yeah, craving connection. And and I noticed with my students as well, even in the chat function, someone will ask a question like, well, what, um, where are we? Where are, what page are we on? And other people will respond and help them out. Or they'll, um, they'll say, uh, oh, similar to what you're saying. Oh, I really like that too. Or, you know, and and it's lovely in some, in a lot of ways, as far as I'm concerned, because there are some students who can't turn their cameras on for bandwidth reasons or whatever. And those are the ones who participate in the chat most frequently. And it's almost like other people have realized that they are not able to participate as fully. So they're trying to bring them in, in different ways. I don't know if that's a conscious decision, but it is, it's really, it's really a beautiful. Isn't it though? Isn't it? Yeah. One of the things that I, and I, and I, um, I know the questions you kind of go this year, were you trained to handle this shift and, and, and the, your own interaction with zoom. One of the things that I, I really need to practice is using the chat feature. Um, and part of it is based on my own disability and issues with attention, Mm -hmm. having the chat go on while I'm teaching is very hard for me. Um, and so that is in part, right, because of kind of my own neurodivergent way of learning. Yeah. Uh, but it, but that's kind of limiting. And I haven't really been able to figure out a good way to use the chat and for me to be able to still focus and ask answer questions for the students who are raising their hands and things like that. So in that regard, I you know, I'm not faulting anyone for, for not teaching me that. This is unchartered territory. Um and we're all kind of learning, but I think that is one of the things I feel guilty might be not, that might be too strong of a word, but I f- do feel like I'm doing a bit of a disservice because in, to interacting with the chat while I teach is very hard for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know I an accommodation. That. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, good. I'm not alone. <laughs> no, it's very, um, it's, it's distracting and it's, yes. um, it's decentering, you know, like yes. I, I really try to be present and it's hard to be present and have that going at the same time. So I completely yes. agree. Okay. And the way, so I will go back and look sometimes if I put the students in breakout rooms and I'll look at the chat to see sort of like what's been happening. Cause a lot of times I don't prompt it. It just happens that the oh, students okay. use the chat, but there are other times that I use the chat for short answer. So oh, I'll put a question yeah. in the chat and I'll say, and I'll just wait a minute until people have a, 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 an opportunity to participate. Yeah, And I think for me, it's, then that is the present moment is the chat. And that helps me with my, you know, lack of, um, I guess, training or ability to, to use it the way other people do. But it, um, I think for some people who just are not very verbal, I think it works well for them to be able to chime in, you know, right on a, on a device. So, um, so you, you brought up that question about were you trained to, to handle the shift in pedagogy? Do you feel that um, having your EDD has been more helpful or less helpful maybe than other colleagues that you have who are, haven't thought as much about this idea of creating a learning community and lowering the affective filter, making students feel comfortable? 
Yeah, I think, and again, my, you know, my anecdotal evidence here based on my friends who have PhDs, I think I'm at a significant advantage um, because again, my degree is practitioner model. And so I have part of my curriculum was, was in, all about inclusion. That was kind of the theme of all of what we talked about and learn. Um, and so for me, I don't like the zoom because I prefer teaching in person. I have trouble with the chat, but, but really the zoom and being able to engage them and, and modify my curriculum, that actually hasn't been that hard for me. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. So there's like the, I don't really like doing it, but I do it not to toot my own horn, but I do it well. Yeah. Um, and I just think that is in part because with an EDD, I mean, I was taught strategies to work with students from across every walk, roll, you know, way of life. Um, and so for me to apply it, in a virtual setting, I, I'm very comfortable with that. I have some tech mm-hmm. issues sometimes because I'm not great with tech, but when it comes to engaging my students in conversations and making sure that they're learning on, you know, target hitting the target. Yeah. I feel very prepared to do it. I wonder how much of that is just because your personality is so inviting and engaging. I mean, I, I love you. So I'm a little biased <laughs> there too, but you know, I, how, I guess the question would be how much can you learn to, to yeah. be like that? You know, even if you read yeah. about inclusivity and you, and you, you're maybe writing curriculum that's very specific to that aspect of learning. Yeah. When you actually go to do it, you know, I don't, I wonder, I wonder how yeah. much of that is a learned ability or if it's just an inherent quality. And that's a really good point. I mean, I think that, you know, teaching has always been a calling for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've always been trying to do it. I'm a people person and I adore you and the work you do. And so I learned so much from, from people in my community um, and how to apply things. So I think it is, I I think I'm suited for the job. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I've just been able to collect experiences that kind of cement uh, shellac together my strengths and my ability to engage my students. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, one of my things that I know that my students are really excited about learning is when they will independently email me about things they see and they find, oh, um, yeah. which is, I love that. I love it. Oh, I saw this video, Dr. Rach, and I wanted to share it with you. Can you share it with the class? Like I get that mm-hmm. and I love it. Cause I'm just like, yes, they're like, going out into the world and seeing this stuff in real life and wanting to share it with their peers. And so for me, that's been like a huge positive indicator that they are getting stuff out of the class. Absolutely. And stuff that will, they will take forward with them, right? Way beyond. Oh yeah. yeah. And stuff that, I mean, I tell them this too. Like when you send me stuff, I save it. Yeah, because I'm like I could use that. That's gold for me. I'm always like joking with them, I'm like, "Hey, give me less work. You guys find this stuff, <laughs> and then I'll just pass it off as as my own." Uh, no, no, no. But but that's also been a really rewarding way to a little metric to see how how they're doing. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and their level of engagement. And to be honest, you know, when it comes to those, when I get emails like that, it's mostly, and again, I don't really collect data on this, but now as I talk to you, I'm like, huh, well, that might be interesting to do down the line. The, the videos and the articles that I get from people, it's actually mostly the people who don't speak up in class. Uh-huh. So oh, they're the one, yeah, it is interesting because I ha- I had this assumption that, oh, the chatty ones are going to keep being chatty even offline with me. And they do too, but I get a lot of interaction from my students who I've never even heard their voice. Wow. Yeah. And so that's really interesting. It does make me a little sad because I'm like, oh, they sent this great video and I'm interacting with them and I don't know what they look like. Yeah. You know, I, so that like, if I, when we're back, if I bumped into them on campus, I wouldn't know. Yeah, um, And that's kind of heartbreaking, to be honest. But to see them still engaged in that way feels feels like I'm doing a good job. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this was not something that I was thinking about asking. So if, if you're not comfortable, then please just, you know, say no, thank you. But I have been on the fence about you know, this idea of like, should students, should there be some verbiage or some rule as far as turning cameras on? Cause I don't, I haven't done that. Yeah. I haven't had any um, specific, you know, that you should do this or you shouldn't. And, right. and from a, you know, accessibility as well as an inclusion perspective, I, I don't want to, right. Because right. I know that there are some people, I mean, who knows what's happening in their environments, their home environments right. and how uh, alienated they might feel within their families. Yeah. You know, there's so many different reasons that this might not be an ideal situation for them to be on camera, but, um, but then you do have that, you know, lack of ability to create a cohesive community. And so I just yeah. wonder what is your thought on that? How have you yeah. gone about that? I, you know, when I started out, I, I, and I still, I leave it up to them. And some of them have since the semester started have turned on their video. Um, so as maybe they got, got more comfortable, I don't cold call people either. Uh-huh. So I'm not just like, Oh, Tiffany, who if Tiffany didn't raise her hand or Tiffany was just like a black box with her name. I don't do that because I don't, from a teaching perspective, I don't believe in it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, that personally, I, I think that creates a little culture of like anxiety of like, oh my God, is she going to call on me? And that's yeah. very stressful. I don't like that. Um, again, for me, like the the anchor of my classes is safety. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but I, I, I want them to be able to turn their cameras on. When I do the one-on-ones, they do. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so that. That's that, yeah. So when they do the one-on-ones, they do turn on their cameras. So I do have a glimpse at them. Um, but, you know, I think I've had moments in the semester where I was like, oh, next semester, I'm going to request that they do it. Yeah. But I realized that that is kind of me being not selfish. That's again, too strong of a word, but it's kind of, it's for me to learn better about them and to feel like I'm teaching better, but it might not suit them based on everything that you've been saying. I completely agree. Um, and so I think now, um, I, I really just have to stand by the fact that, that they need to make that decision. And I, well, I would wish, and I, I would love it to be able to see everybody that that might not be where they're at and I don't want to force it. 
you know, and because I've had them where students they are. Who, yeah, 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 exactly. And I've had students who have said that, like, oh, I'm at my house and I'm like kind of embarrassed. Yeah. Um. Yeah. To, so, uh, and here's the thing: I'm going to be completely transparent. My background, if I don't put up my little Zoom filter, whatever it is called, uh, and behind me is a collection of My Little Ponies. So <laughs> I understand not necessarily wanting to share your your background with people. Uh, yeah. My students, I, I want the respect I deserve. And I feel like that would push it a little bit in the negative direction. Uh, they're like, why do you have a collection of My Little Ponies over your right shoulder? Um, so I can, I appreciate that. I do. I appreciate that. It actually could have the opposite effect. They could be more, you know, in, in drawn in. You, you know never what? know. You never know. And actually I've told them that before my seniors, um, and they were like, oh my gosh, we want to see. And I was like, okay, last day of class, I will do a pony presentation. Oh, wow. That is Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. We'll fantastic. show them to you. Yeah. So they're, you know, looking forward. Cause again, I used to have like a little party at the end of the semester, the party that I would do, um, which to be honest, I don't know how I'm going to tackle this. Cause I'd like to do something I would have, I called them, uh, classes and cafeteria. I think was what I would call them. And basically it would be like, bring, uh, a f- bring food with a story about how it relates to marginalization. Oh, wow. It's, That's great. Yeah. It was fun. And I called it the cafeteria cause people could pick and choose. Um, but the classes of cafeteria. So f- just some good examples, like one student, went to Whole Foods. So she had X amount of money and she went to shop and save and used her money and went to Whole Foods and spent the same amount. Wow. Yeah. Like, look how much, and I didn't tell, I didn't coach any of them. They just did this stuff. So one of them being like, um, you know, like, look, I could spend all this money at shop and save, but at Whole Foods, I was only able to get two things. Um, Another student, which was kind of cheeky, was like, I'm bringing pizza because it's the food of poor college students. That's Mm. like, you know, what what we consume. Uh, I had another student who was like, I want to create a a dish that honors like a bunch of food allergies. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So they come with interesting stuff and I love it. It's so fun for me to watch. Um, but I don't know how I'm going to do that this semester. I don't think, you know, that's something where, you know, like, oh, everybody brings something to eat in your little screen. I might have to forego it, which also makes me pretty sad because I love doing that. But yeah, so that's something that that Zoom puts me at a loss of. I've been thinking about ways to, you know, celebrate via Zoom as well. And I, I have not come up yeah. with any... <laughs> any good for a student's birthday in the spring I did uh, let me let me know if you do (laughs) yeah I for the for the spring his birthday I just like I drew on my iPad happy birthday or I did it in Spanish feliz cumpleaños to the student and then when everyone logged in that was what was showing um yeah I, I mean, I was pulling out all the stops in the spring. Like I was wearing different hats and I was putting together little Lego vignettes and just really oh, trying me too. to, yeah. I'm not, I'm not so, I'm not so, I, I don't have the, I don't know, chutzpah or the, 
where with I, and with to do that this year. Yeah, I don't either. I, in this, that's a really good point to bring up. In the spring, I would wear, I have like a sloth onesie that I would wear. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if it's the Zoom burnout, teacher burnout. I'm not as gimmicky. Yeah. Not saying gimmicky is a bad thing. This semester, I haven't really done that. Yeah, it's, um, it's fascinating. That would be an in, interesting informal poll. Yeah, you know, how many that, of us yeah. have just dropped that? Because... Have just right because it just is it sustainable or? Right. Yeah, I and I have, and you know, I used I had hats and this whole whole thing, and the, but you know what? Just looking at the level of engagement this semester, I don't I don't think it's a I don't think it actually did as much as I thought it would. Yeah. You know, I think I thought, oh, this is going to be what keeps them signing on. And at least this semester where I haven't done any of that, again, I've had stellar attendance. Um, I wonder if, sorry, yeah, no, no, no. I was just going to say, I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that um, we were in shock in a lot of ways, I think. And we were also trying to translate a syllabus was already designed to be in person into an online setting, which yeah. was complicated in addition to, um, you know, really kind of all of us feeling like not knowing what was up and down. Right. Um, That's a good point. And this was, I mean, it's, it's tragic and it's horrible, but at least it was expected. And, and yeah. we, like, we haven't had, like you said, we haven't seen a lot of these Faces, or we haven't met them in person, and so it's yeah. a different. Maybe it's a, just a different approach. Yeah, I don't know. that's a really good point. I haven't thought about it that way. Well, <laughs> are you preparing for the same um, modality for the spring? How's that? Yeah, going? yeah. So in, in the spring, I'm going to be online only, um, and and so the class that I'm teaching in the spring is a class where it's all about guest speakers. That's really the core of the class because in this class, unpacking ableism, um, you know, I can't speak to the experience of what it's like being a black man who uses a wheelchair. Right. I don't, I can't talk about that, but I have a friend who that's his identity. That's his experience who can Mm -hmm. and can do it well. Um, and so that was a huge part. So I've had to just be creative. And so instead, uh, cause you know, I, I want to make sure I get these interviews and people feel comfortable. I've been collecting the interviews. I've been zoom recording them. Awesome. Right. So again, it's not as ideal because they can't, it's, you know, I'm going to show them a video, all of the, all the people who I've chatted with and recorded for these interviews have said, oh, if a student has a question, they can have my email and here's some literature to give them. It's not as engaging, but the videos so far, how many videos do I have? I have a list here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. I have 12 videos so far. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And people have been very like great to donate some of their time to do it, Um, but they are really engaging. And so I'm like, you know what, this in conjunction with my ability to be a practitioner, I think it won't be the same, but I think they'll still get a lot out of it. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm joking with them that my, this teaching series is called, this meeting is being recorded. <laughs> 
that is what the class podcast is. Um, So I, and it's been exciting for me to do the interviews, but you know what, Candace, I think it's going to be a a wait and see how that goes because it is going to be such a departure from what the class usually is. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, you know, I have, I, I have faith that it will go well and they'll enjoy it. Um, but I just, yeah, I mean, it is an unknown right now. And it's also just an an unknown for me. I'm sure this is the same for you. What kind of energy am I going to have? How much, you know, like, am I going to be able to sustain? I just, I question that all the time. Sometimes when I feel like I'm completely, you know, losing momentum, losing my mind, losing, you know, all of that. Uh, I wonder how, and how am I going to, and you just, you know, I just take, try to take it one day at a time, one class at a time. That's been my approach a hundred percent really is one day at a time. Um, and, and yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm a adjunct professor. And so I don't always get as much support from the department. They're, they're great. I actually am very lucky. The department that I'm, the psych department is really like, they're very inviting of me. I've had friends who are adjuncts who have very different experiences. Um, but also part of being an adjunct is I have other stuff. I have my uh, hustles going on outside right. the classroom right. and they can be exhausting too. Mm-hmm. And so part of me is like, huh, this semester has been pretty tiring. Yep. Um, and rewarding, but kind of tiring. And, you know, I get a break in between, but what's it going to look like when I'm doing my zoom teaching, but I also have all these other things going on. Exactly. Uh, exactly. No, and I, and I'm one of those people too. I'm like, I don't ever want to do a half-assed job ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to bring the best to my students, to the panels I do, to the writing that I do. I'm really, this, this whole epidemic pandemic has made me learn that I need to give myself a break sometimes and take myself off the hook. Yes. It's hard though, but I really have started to appreciate the fact that I'm a human and that I'm not (laughs) going to be perfect all the time. Oh, and so that's a really, that's, I think that's a really good note to sort of wrap up our conversation. It's just kind of a reminder of, you know, having grace with ourselves and, uh, you know, and I think that's, it's a good learning example for students as well. I mean, I've had to say to them at some points, like I, you know, I'm, I'm losing my momentum. I'm losing my ability. I'm, you know, whatever it may be. And I think that showing them a human side is, is, is good. And, um, you know, it's too bad that it it takes a pandemic for us to, uh, right. (laughs) Isn't that, isn't it the the way? way? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I really, I can't tell you how much I appreciate having this oh, time with you and learning about how you're approaching the strangeness of our reality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. And... Wow. Thank you, Dr. Rach, for your time, energy, and tools. How many of you listening carry out one-on-one meetings with your students? Are you all able to show your concern for your students with actions? such as the topical list of resources and organizations that Rachel prepared for her students? These things take extra time and energy, 
that, understandably, many of us do not have. How can we bring to light the importance of these methods? For while they may be indirectly referenced in our student evaluations, being empathetic isn't something that one can put on their resume. And it is also worth noting that the majority of this sort of emotional engagement generally falls on female identifying educators, underrepresented populations. Thank you again, Dr. Rach, for sharing these insights. Stay tuned for next week when we speak with Sarah Foe, a child psychotherapist here in Pittsburgh, who shares with us her theories about a child-centered approach that revolves around play and uh, a lot of physicality. And we'll look forward to hearing about how she's navigated all of that through the Zoom lens. Hope you join us. Oh, 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 oh,